Welcome to the Be Free RE podcast, where you learn how to make your job optional. I'm your host, John, who's just getting started on his journey. But in the last year, I moved across the country, bought four apartments, make money as a landlord, no longer pay rent, and I have my first child. I'm joined by your co-host and my guide, Tony Angotti, who in five years quit his job and now manages over 80 units through a combination of house hacks, flips, and partnerships. So with that, let's jump into how you can do less of what you have to do and more of what you want to do. Tony, welcome back to another episode. What's going on? Hello. Today we're sponsored by USB cables. Hmm. Charging your phones. Yeah, better than cabinet jacks. They're more useful at least. I guess it depends on your situation, though. I mean... Have you ever tried to jack a cabinet with a USB cable? Pretty hard. <laughs> I don't think it would work. Well, it's a good point. There you go. you could, like, hang it from the ceiling. Have you ever tried to charge your phone with a cabinet jack? Can't recommend. Use, use the right tool, tool for the job. For every job. <laughs> there you go. There you go. And cabinet jacks are the right tool for your cabinet job. Check them out on Amazon. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah. yeah. Boy, lots of stuff going on with us, man. We just figured out my sister-in-law's having triplets, so good luck with that. Congratulations. Whew. Saskia. Yeah. yeah. We did it. That's her That's her pseudonym for the uh, for the show. She's Saskia. Mm, okay, I like it. I really want... I, it's quite... If there's, a, if there's a Saskia that listens to the show, you need to call with a question, just because I think that name was fun to say, so... Yeah. Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll have my female friends call in with that name. And we'll get multiple calls from different Saskias. That'll be part of our lore. That that would be kind of weird. <laughs> oh, yeah. It would be very weird. That's the point. <laughs> yeah. Other than that, we're, like, back on the market now. Or, uh, we moved into our place, and it's going to take, like, 90 days to close on another one. So our house hack shopping period is opening back up, which is great. So I'm excited about that because I love the deal part of the whole thing. Is that, like, a subtle reminder? Are you, like... Are you like plugging yourself to me? Like, hey, Tony, I'm looking. No, I assume you think I'm always looking. <laughs> but now, now we're really looking. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, but no, it wasn't. I, I'm actually just excited about it. It's actually a lot of fun. So, good. yeah. How about you guys? Markets, markets hot. Psh, yeah. Ah. It's been hot for the last two years. So, whatever. Longer, but extremely hot since then. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, we're, I'm looking for like, pseudo out-of-state stuff not really out-of-state right now i just kind of want to get the experience oh yeah we're looking yeah we're, we're looking for places like an hour away and we're just gonna i think that it'll help me work on efficiencies in my own business like trying to think of what i do in my own business that maybe i don't have to mm-hmm. and straight up it's just cheaper yeah so yeah there's that that part too and i'm starting to get to the point where like my bank account is looking healthy which is cool but then it's <laughs> It starts to get to a point where you're like, I got to put this money somewhere. <laughs> I should probably trap this money somewhere. Yeah. And I've been thinking about like the stock market, but the stock market's nuts right now. It it's goes up like 400 points down 400 points. It's like wacky world trends. So real estate is still, I think, better. I just, I don't know. Yeah. need to find a deal of sorts for myself, I suppose, not through one of my companies. I could move again. I just keep, I don't want to move. I don't want to go through the process. I, I, like, I'm tired of moving. Yeah, I hear what you're saying about that. It, are you definitely doing a house hack or are you looking uh, for just a place? Um, 
We could probably go either way. We actually have a tenant that might move into this unit. So if they commit, then then we would be pretty motivated to do a house hack. Uh, I guess we could push the tenant out. That's on the other side, but he's on a lease. So I don't know. We're, think, we're thinking about it from a couple of different perspectives. But um, yeah, probably just, probably lean into another house hack. I, I would really like to get like yeah. a quad under our belt, something like that. Triplex. Hard to find. Yeah, there's just not a ton of them on the market. So yeah, well, there's not even. Yeah. There's just not a ton of them, period, let alone on the market. So. Right. Um, yeah. yeah. So that's that. Um, what do we have on tap today? Yeah. So kind of leaning into the quad plus bigger unit stuff, we have Chris, who's calling in. He's got a duplex, and he's looking at a, a, a commercial property, maybe mixed use. I'm not exactly sure. We'll let him talk about it. And then we have a question. Uh, since you were railing on Zillow the other day, uh, there's a question about how do you market your properties without using Zillow? So, so there you have it. You're you're bringing in the calls with your uh with your pers- how the cookie crumbles. Yeah, <laughs> with your perspective. So with that, let's jump over to Chris with this question about mortgages. Hey Tony, my name's Chris. I recently bought a duplex in Mount Lebanon. Um, and as a new investor, I'm starting looking for new properties as well. I'm now considering a small commercial property with a storefront and three residential units. So my question is, what are the major differences between a residential mortgage and a commercial mortgage? Thanks. Yeah. So with the size of the building that he's talking about, I assume he's going to go with like a local commercial lender, not with some kind of institutional commercial lender, because those usually only open up like a million dollars and above normally. Um, The primary difference is going to be the term. So most residential loans you can get with a 30 year for 30 year amortization schedule. A commercial loan is typically going to be 15, 20, or 25 years. Additionally, the residential loan will usually be a fixed interest rate, at least your standard run-of-the-mill one that people go for. There are adjustable rate residential mortgages, but um, normally people are looking at those fixed rates. Commercial loans will not usually have a fixed rate. It's usually going to be five years adjustable. So you'll have a period of five years where the rate is something. Then it will adjust up for the next five-year period. It'll adjust up again for the next five-year period, so on and so forth until the loan's paid off. So some other things to keep in mind are that commercial mortgages or residential mortgages are also a little bit more boilerplate in their terms and conditions because there's more protections and regulations in that space. So a lot... A lot of your details in your commercial loan are important to pay attention to, especially depending on your strategy. So one of the biggest ones to pay attention to are going to be your prepayment penalties. So a lot of times in the commercial space, I mean, the whole Burr strategy thing, the buy, rehab, rent, refinance, repeat thing, that started out in commercial real estate investing because mm-hmm. you refinance your money out perpetually. That's just what you do. Um So with a lot of commercial loans, they have prepayment penalties. So a lot of times it'll be so many points based on if you refinance with them versus if you refinance with a different bank. What you want to try to get is a term where if you refinance with the same bank, they aren't going to charge you a prepayment penalty. A lot of this comes down to your relationship with the commercial lender too. At the beginning, you're going to get pretty much their worst terms. But then as you do more and more loans with them, you can usually be a little bit 
more negotiable in the terms that you'll get, especially if you bring them competing, competing terms. Um, I have a couple more points, but before I just drag on and on and bore everyone, do you have any comments? Mm, I mean, I have no uh, experience. I, I think the down payment would be the uh, right. You know, yeah, the main thing for me there. Yeah, the fixed versus down adjustable higher down payment percentage yeah. is higher. So on like a residential, you can usually on a single family home, sometimes even small multifamily, you can get lower than 20% down with certain programs. If you really look around with commercial mortgages, it's pretty much 20 or 25%. Um, They're also more willing to finance construction costs. So if you present your loan with certain renovations that you want to do, sometimes they'll work those into the loan. The most important thing to consider is that they just have a lot more flexibility and they're able to be more creative with terms than your standard um, residential lender will be. Mm-hmm. Additionally, keep in mind that whenever you're, this sounds like a small point, but people who are getting into it all the time don't always realize this. You're not going to get a pre-approval with your commercial loan. They don't really do that. You normally, when you submit an offer, you want to say, I work with this bank. They review the deal. This meets their underwriting criteria that I've talked with them about based on what they told me and you just show them like why it meets what the bank told you they're going to be looking at and then you say and here's my proof of funds for the down payment and the closing costs because all that the seller is going to need to see is that you have the cash to fund the commercial loan there's so many other little tidbits and points and things about how they work but that would be an episode in and of itself. So I would say that if you have any follow-up questions, just call back in and leave us one and we'll answer it on another on another episode. Um, maybe once you've started to engage some of the commercial lenders, that would be useful. Um, but that's a, those are a few details to kind of get you started. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, Tony, but my understanding is like from a residential perspective, they are underrating you as an individual bull and your, your ability to pay. And from the commercial perspective, it's much more about the rent roll of the building or the cash flow of the building. They're kind of underwriting the, the property. I was going to touch on that too. So that's true to an extent. However, most commercial mortgages when you're starting out and these smaller ones of local banks, they are still going to have a personal guarantee. Mm. So they still are going to be looking at you and they're going to be looking at like your cash reserves and stuff that you have for the building and stuff like that. However, they do care a lot more about the building than they care about you personally. But there is there is a part of it where it's your financials, your personal financial statement that they're looking at because ultimately you personal guarantee it. And that is a, an important part. If you have four financials, you might need to bring in a partner that is going to help you get to work. Poor financials could be credit or even reserves because they're going to want to see that you have cash available to um, upkeep the property. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Really good. So I think to summarize, uh, it's a lot less boilerplate than residential. You should expect a five-year adjustable rate term rather than like a fixed 30, which is typical for residential. Uh, you're going to have a higher down payment. And uh, yeah, you're going to be working with... Uh, like a commercial mortgage bank, and you're you're not going to be doing a uh, like a pre-approval. You're going to essentially submit the deal for underwriting, and it sounds like you're going to be doing a personal guarantee if this is one of your first ones. There we go. Something I missed? Nope. All right, great, good answer. Uh, so with that, we're going to roll into Taylor, and he's got some questions about how to market your properties not on Zillow. 
Hi there, Anthony. My name is Taylor Takis, and I was giving you a call here as I saw one of your Facebook posts stating that uh, to reach out to you if we had questions on some other resources that would be good other than Zillow to market properties on. And wrote down your number, figure I'd give you a call. So hopefully that's something you can go over. All right. So Taylor's from Pittsburgh. Um, not going to make up one as much as I want to make up one, but from Pittsburgh. So uh, where to market the rentals? So the reason this came up was because I posted something on Facebook about how Zillow in the Pittsburgh market is going to start charging monthly or weekly, I think, actually, for listing rentals, which is very frust- very frustrating um, because it's going to get expensive real fast based on what they're planning on charging. So I... I started to think critically about this and I was like, yeah, we get leads from Zillow, but to be honest, it's only one part of what we do and it's not even the most significant part. The place to get the best leads from, I think, for rentals, at least in my region and landlords that I talk to across the country also have similar experience. It's going to be, I think, Facebook Marketplace. I'm pretty sure that's the future of rental listings. Part of the benefits are that you can like interact with the person faster and you can click on their profile and you can like get an idea of why they're moving sometimes which is useful because people post everything public and you can see like mm-hmm. i've even seen people who said like landlords evicting me need a place fast does anybody have anything and i'm like all right well that person's not gonna work out <laughs> um plus there's just way there's way more people i think that i get from that than anything else additionally facebook's powerful because you can go to community groups like different neighborhoods usually have facebook pages and i always market my rentals in there there's also plenty of other different sites that do it just like zillow so for instance cozy has a place where they blast it out to realtor.com and um there's another one that goes along with that there's zumper which we get a ton of leads from this one called zumper i don't know why but we've actually placed a lot of tenants through that um also hot pads is one uh, apartments.com there's plenty of different sites out there i don't do as much with craigslist because those rental ads get hacked a lot and like duplicate ads get created and i it hasn't happened to me but i know other landlords where like after they place a tenant months down the road somebody shows up to the house with a moving truck and they're like hey i gave I gave somebody my money to to move in. Like I'm supposed to meet them here with the key. What are you doing here? And it's like, but this is my place. The tenant that lives there is like, this is my place. And it's all because the person got scammed, hacked by a, a fake ad on Craigslist or something. So I don't do too much of Craigslist, although it does get tenants sometimes. Yeah, the we pretty much do all the same things. Cozy Blast to Craigslist. Hot Pads has been good for us. But yeah, far and away, Facebook Marketplace is where we get the most leads. I would say they tend to be lower quality leads. So pairing that with some kind of like a system to make sure your time is being respected. Like even if you have all the details in the ad, people will still ask you questions. You know, sometimes that's an indicator they might not be a great tenant because they're just like, they can't even take time to read. Um, And then, you know, but when we paired that up with... Like, hey, these are scheduling blocks. This is pre-COVID, so it's a little different now. But even though we basically have like scheduling blocks of, I don't know, it was like 15 or 20 minutes, you know, show up. This is your block. 
you know, if you're not there, totally understand. But, uh, you know, we're, just, we're not going to hang out at the house and wait for you. So, uh, yeah, we trade off the volume for quality and uh, just figure out how to build a good, like, uh, system where you're not being stuck at the house and getting a whole bunch of no-shows. So Yeah. The other thing that I always tell people is if you have a nice place, pay a photographer. Yeah, get photos. Professional <laughs> pictures. And especially in kind of more like a mid-tier market, like Pittsburgh is, I think, you're going to stand out from everybody else who just has cell phone pictures. So the professional pictures really help market the apartments. Um, or at least if you take them with a cell phone, there's like online things you can do to kind of retouch them a little bit. And that's helpful. Like bright pictures usually do pretty well. So you might want to edit them slightly before you, you post them. Yeah. But, but good pictures definitely do do more work than than any choice of website will. Yeah, I think also like you can get like these two dollar fake plants from IKEA uh, that are you know just even putting like a couple of those in the kitchen and the bathroom places where you have some furniture or shelf <laughs> just makes the place feel much better. It's like an, yeah, there's minor stuff you can do. I totally agree. You don't want super overdone photos. That can actually backfire too, I think. You know, if you do like a really good photo, but at least in the market we're in, we have a lot more like, you know, when you have that photo with like the date in orange font at the bottom, <laughs> those kind of photos. Yeah, there's a lot more of that than there is like overdone. Yeah, professionalism, overselling. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing that I always tell people too, like if you have somewhat of a portfolio, line up your lease vacancy dates so that they're kind of in like, like staggered months but that they overlap with other places because you're going to get a lot of tenants that don't want your place but then you can kind of cross sell them other apartments mm -hmm. which we do we do that a lot like somebody comes in and they, they'll say it's too small or something and we'll be like oh well we have a bigger one it's a little bit more expensive but do you want to see that it looks the same because all of our renovation stuff is pretty much the same same paint same whatever and they'll be like oh yeah can i see that one and we've rented a lot of apartments to people that way just kind of cross-selling other places yeah that's right yeah do, do you ever well i guess you might do you ever post like to your personal like hey we have this for rent it's just our own yeah to friends and family i've rented a i've rented a couple places that way too just it goes along with the community groups too like if you post your rental in neighborhood groups on Facebook, I think that does. We get pretty decent leads from those. You always get the people who are like, just keep in mind that every time you post those, you're going to get all the posts where people are like, this is so expensive. It's like, it doesn't matter how much it is. <laughs> you're going to get the people who have lived in the neighborhood for 20 years and the landlord never raised the rent. And you can either just turn, you can just hide them. I, I don't even, I just delete you. I curate my post. Oh, interesting. I don't let, I don't let people go to war over the price of rentals on my my ad yeah i mean also just for context like i know your stuff isn't crazy expensive <laughs> like we both discussed how do we assess you know like you're not yeah it's not it's not cheap but it's not right it's in line with the market price yeah it's just it's just everybody that posts that kind of stuff doesn't understand what the market price is they do it with house listings too. Every time they see a house listing, they're like, this is so expensive. I can't believe that it's this expensive to live here now. And it's like, yeah, well, that's 
that's the facts of life. <laughs> I don't I don't know. You lived here for twenty five years, the prices are no longer thirty thousand dollars for a house. Sorry. Yeah, people don't have enough going on. That's my two cents on that. So anyway, to summarize, I think on this, uh I think we both agree Facebook. You feel very strongly about the community groups, uh Facebook marketplace, uh not so big on Craigslist for some scammy reasons. I can appreciate that. Hotpads, apartments.com, Kozu. And then you had another one, Zumper. I don't think we've ever used Zumper. Zumper. Yeah, yeah Zump, Zumper does pretty good for us. So there you go. Pretty good answer. Pretty actionable. Um, so, Tony, that brings us to the, the final segment of the show, which is something you learned this week. Uh, you go first. The, okay, I can do that. So for me, uh, boy, you're going to like this one. So I think I relearned patience. Well, that's not the part you're going to like. That sounds terribly tacky. But we bought the place we're living in now um, for like 150 something, and it's a duplex. And I was kind of bummed out because I was like, man, this isn't like a great deal. You know, it's just okay. And that was less than 12 months ago. And now uh, it's a side-by-side. And some of the side-by-sides on the street are selling for 125 a side. Um, obviously those are like top of the market done up, blah, blah, blah. But, um, that would put us pretty firmly in a good deal territory. So it's, uh, kind of funny because when you look at these deals, you don't think they're that great. And then, you know, I think with just like one, two, three years of a little bit of patience, you know, you can really, uh, you know, we have like pretty solid equity in this place now uh, if we were to go ahead and put it back on the market. So uh, I think kudos to you for recognizing the opportunity. And uh, yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, we're, we're definitely thinking about kind of our, our next deal with a little bit more of that attitude where it's like, I think we were very like, what's the year one economics on these deals? And everything from how we did the repairs to the purchase price. And I think we just have a much healthier time horizon on like, you know, you know, year three, if we're like making a deal and it's a good deal and it's a good property, you know, that, that would be more worth it than like kind of a pain in the ass property. That's like a cash flow machine year one kind of a thing, you know, our, our thinking yeah. on that has changed. So that's interesting because uh, yeah. it, it's really nice having a cash flow machine too, though. <laughs> I think that happened to me over time too, which is why what you're saying kind of resonates with me. And I think it happens to a lot of people after they get a couple properties, they realize that there's more to this than just the year one spreadsheet. Yeah. Like I think whenever people get into it, they, they get drawn into the cash flow part. They're like, it must cash flow. It must make all this money. And it's like, yeah, they have to make money. It's never a good strategy to buy stuff that doesn't cash flow. But if you buy stuff that if you want maximum cash flow, you're usually going to buy either a dumpy property or you're going to buy a property in like a bad area. And if you buy it in not so, so great of an area, you may spend $40,000 for the property. But in 20 years, the property is still worth $40,000. Yeah. And if you buy the dumpy property, you're either going to end up opening the walls and putting a lot more money than you initially budgeted into it, or you're going to defer some of that stuff. And then it's just going to eat you on CapEx and maintenance for years. Yeah. And growly tenants. Yeah. Yeah. So you have to think about too, like, what are the advantages to investing today versus when the market was cheaper? The advantage to investing today is that the financed money is like free. Yeah. When you factor in inflation, your interest rate buying today is like nothing. Yeah, that's true. I haven't thought about it. So like 
that's the that is the competitive advantage of being a real estate now an investor now is that money's so cheap and it's out there and it's not that difficult to get even with covid it's still not that difficult to find financing yeah it's and even private financing isn't that expensive right now. I mean, hard money loans are, but going out and raising money also isn't that bad because what are people doing with their money? They're not wanting to put it in the stock market because the stock market's like a roller coaster yo-yo mess and it's probably going to take a bath later this year once the reality of the economy catches up to the stock market. So then getting 8% interest from some real estate investor every month is a lot more consistent returns. Mm-hmm than they're getting in the stock market. So that's the advantage. And the other thing that you're learning, it sounds like, and what also took me some time to understand is that no matter what you hear on the internet about the Burr strategy or (laughs) flipping houses for mega money and quick financial independence and all that stuff, real estate is still a get rich slow thing. And what I learned over time is that the cash flow is totally secondary. The primary thing is all the all the equity gain that you get. That's how you generate wealth yeah. through debt pay down, appreciation, all the, the those are the two ways you generate the equity. Then you have the tax advantages and all that other stuff. And when you're straight looking at a spreadsheet, unless you're somehow factoring that stuff in, which most people don't, you're not getting the whole picture. So like when people look at their return on investment, when when have you ever met a newbie that factors in their principal pay down from the tenant as their wealth generation? They don't. They just look at the cash flow. But it's like, but that principal pay down is part of your return also. Even if you don't want to factor in appreciation because you think that's risky. You still should be considering the principal pay down. And people ask me all the time, like, what number, what return number do you look at or whatever? And to be honest, I won't, I wouldn't say that I really have one. I just want properties that don't lose money every month. And I want them to be in nice areas so they're not a headache. And I know that as long as they're making some money every month with conservative projections, that I'm going to win out in the long run. So, yeah. I don't get too caught up on like minimum return figure and all that kind of stuff. I think that that's just getting stuck in the weeds and that if you're if you have conservative assumptions and you're projecting these correctly so that you know you're not losing money and you're also investing in decent areas, it's kind of like a low risk almost no lose proposition. Yeah. Although that sounds bad to say, it like is a very low risk as long as you have conservative projections and you're in decent areas. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. I I think the the haters will say something like, "Well, I could have that money in the stock market kind of a thing." And um all oh, that's true and you have to figure it out, but there's also just being a guy who's like done this now. I mean, we have the majority of our investments are still in the stock market to be very candid. But there's something to this real estate wealth that is completely different and it's in your control, which is also very interesting. So it's just a it's a completely different strategy. And uh, you know, in terms of forced appreciation and even now it's like good time to refinance. So there's just uh it's very hard to like do one spreadsheet and say this this is the number. You know, like the reality is to your point, there's tax shield benefits, there's 
principal pay down. There's, you know, you can refinance. Sometimes you can HELOC and take advantage of another, you know, or you're, yeah. gonna, you know, you're going to pay I mean, for always, college or yeah. tuition with a HELOC. You know, there's, there's just I a lot of flexibility. Story, I always tell a story about that random person that I met. And then there's another person that I heard about on a podcast that did the same thing. Dude has 15 single family houses. He's owned them for a really long time. He refinances one every year and puts it on a new 15-year mortgage and takes the cash out, pays them off, and he's been doing this now for the past long time. <laughs> and that refinance money is tax-free. You don't pay taxes on a refinance. The dude is just using his portfolio to support the income to get the new loans. And like, where does that show up in your spreadsheet? That doesn't. It, it, like, you could model that. I'm not smart enough to do that. I mean, at least I don't think. It's yeah, I, too fuzzy in my head. And it's like, but that's something that's impossible on stocks. When you invest in stocks, you can invest $40,000, but you really only control assets worth $40,000. Right. When you invest $40,000 in real estate, you might be controlling assets worth $300,000, $200,000, something like that. So that leverage that you get with real estate is also far more powerful than anything in the stock market. So there's just so many benefits that won't show up on your spreadsheet that I think it's hard to come up with a this is my minimum return figure. If you really forced me to, I could probably work it out and come up with something, but I don't have like a hard and fast yeah. rule. I mean, these are cap rates essentially, right? So yeah, I'm, I'm totally with you also. Like no one's going to lend you money to invest in stocks. Well, maybe they will if they do your special though. The government. You're trading though. You're not investing to yeah. You're trading, which is like active. Yeah. You're buying on margin and stuff, which is not. Well, that's not investing. That's that's trading. It's just like flipping houses. Like I don't consider. I'll lose half of our listeners, but I don't consider investing in houses necessarily real estate investing. It's similar. But yeah, it's more like you mean flipping houses. It's not investing. Yeah, it's more like it's just a job. Your crew. Yeah, it's a job. You're you're trading. It's not like a long term hands off thing. I wouldn't even say that a lot of what I do is really it's investing, but we're more building a business and our product is rentals than we are just putting our money somewhere and letting it go. Yeah, like that's more what I do. I'm investing in rentals as a product pretty much. I think that was on Bigger Pockets uh, forum that Brandon Hall accountant said that he argues that most people that are becoming financially independent on real estate are really just creating a business and that business is rentals. Uh, well, weird perspective. Yeah, who might argue? <laughs> uh, well, I don't know. Do you have something quick that you learned this week? Learn I think how to... we just talked about what I learned uh, over years. Yeah, yeah. All right, I'll take I'll take that. That was a, that was pretty good, I thought. So, all right. Well, uh, check us out at B Free Re on all the major social medias, specifically on Instagram. Tony's at four one two agent four one two agent dot com. Um, and Tony, what's the phone number? Four one two two one two eight three six six. I probably been saying it wrong this whole time. It's probably like something totally different. No, nah, that's the right number. And who's our sponsor okay. right now? Our sponsor is Albert Einstein. Many great formulas and things. Yeah. Do you like uh, nuclear power? Do you like Do you like bagels? Relative. He and his he is he and his brothers have created wonderful bagels. I, I forgot their first foray into physics was a perfectly round bagel. The shape of a dimension. Some kind of donut dimension. Anyway. All right. Well, I think that's enough.
Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Take care. Killer with the B, I know killers in the street With the feel to make you feel like chinchilla in the heat